Hi, and welcome back to the Mob Mentality Show. I am Chris Lucian, and my co-host is Austin Chadwick. And today we have Tom Ayers with us. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about remote working, recapturing the agile magic, and uh, making it work for everyone. Uh, but before we get into those topics, maybe Tom, you could give us a little bit of introduction and uh, talk about how you got involved with ensemble programming and uh, maybe the rest of your career. Okay. Uh, well, quick career background. Um, actually, I started in IT 40 years ago, I just realized. That's scary, isn't it? But I only properly started 30 years ago programming an assembler in BA. Um, I spent a while work developing Java trading systems in the city of London. And while I was doing that, I kind of moved into um, less hands-on techie stuff, more, more architecting, team leading, fighting stakeholders, that sort of stuff. And then since then, I've been moving through other projects and I mostly consult um, on Agile transformations and DevOps these days. So my ensembling, um, I've always been a fan. I mean, I started with extreme programming when it started pretty much. Um, and so pair programming was always something I was very keen on and wanted to push to not great events. I must admit during the noughties, um, most developers don't seem, many developers are resistant as you know. Um, and then when I was, um, some of my consulting work, we were using Ensemble to bring on, bring along um, apprentice technologists, new arrivals, done the boot camp, arrived on site, and then getting them up to speed. And I've been involved, I've been, I've been reading about Ensemble and, um, and things like that, and I wanted to give it a try. So, and then we just found that we're getting these, these guys who, joined a company a week before committing code into production in a, in a, in a, you know, and also Austin. we were, and also we were um, massively reducing single person risk because they had a couple of, couple of people there who'd been there for 10 years and did everything and understood everything. And one of them, you may have met the type like that and, he was the only one who understood anything <laughs> so um and then by doing the ensemble piece um we started distributing knowledge not just to the um the, the apprentices but also for the um less senior members of the team so that was the big sort of wow light bulb um and then um so we tried that in a few more places um to greater or lesser it's we can talk about selling it later um but then um, lockdown happened and Jeff Langer started his, his um, mobbing sessions, um, which I joined in and thoroughly enjoyed. And it, there's another thing I'd like to talk about later. It really works from the way I think, and the, not just the way I think, but the way I process ideas. Um, and so I did that for a while. Then Jeff asked me to run a Europe version because the timing wasn't very good for him. Yeah. And... Uh, so I ran that for a while and then I can't everybody started. We, we basically ran into the ground. I mean, basically people, <laughs> we, we had, we had a group of people and they were quite loyal and kept at it, but we all realized after a while that it was getting harder and harder to maintain that momentum mm. week on week. And that again is something we can talk about because that um, there's a thing about context uploading when you're coding um because everybody knows about you need your 15 minutes to get into flow so i think it takes longer than that in an ensemble mm. um because you've got a bunch of people doing it and if you're doing a and especially if you haven't seen the code for a week <laughs> so 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 and i think jeff, we found this certainly found it in jeff's group and we certainly found it in my group is that um you, you, you're it's you're spending an hour getting back up to speed Mm. to where you were at the end of the week before and then you've, you're halfway through but and everybody's exhausted because it's all been like trying to get this in and, and then if somebody's new joined and they're even you know so um but we did learn a lot about trying to get that context fast yeah. and the tools you need alongside because i know that woody talks about the code speaking to you and I, you know that's very simplistic but um you need more yeah I, i'm curious so, so um, I think I had experienced something similar before. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the way that we fixed it is always leaving with a failing test. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I mean, it, that was a little bit of, of like, this test is failing. It's the next thing that we want to have passing. And then, yeah. and then people kind of naturally got into I did. I, we tried I, that. Um, yeah. yeah, we did. And uh, so the two things, what the, the two things that, um, so, so the thing is the getting the problem small enough that you can do it with a bunch of strangers mm -hmm. once a week for a couple of hours. Yes. But keeping it big enough that you're not just doing relatively trivial catters every week. Yeah. Because I mean, I really like doing catters, yeah. but <laughs> after a while, so, so I mean, I was when I when I first decided to do something in Europe, I was actually saying we could build a product, and I had a chat with. Um, uh, by the way, my memory for names is absolutely abysmal, so I just say <laughs> some guy. I'm really sorry, but um, <laughs> but they. Uh, but they said, I don't think this is going to work because we, we're just not going to get the momentum to do. Mm. People will either want to work on their own because they're excited and we're going to say, yeah. don't do that. Or we're not going to have momentum. So, and that was really good advice. But, but I think you're right. There is, there is this, you have to leave it on a point so that you've got a launch point when you restart. But I think there just is a problem with a week's gap. Yes. yeah, I And mean... it's not your day job of getting it started again. So finishing at lunchtime with the failing test, starting in the afternoon, that definitely works. We've done that. Um, but uh, leaving it for a week. Uh, that, and so that was the other thing that happened. We were trying to do refactorings. And of course, we had a fairly strict time box because people said, I've got to go now. And what we found again was that, and actually we found this again with Jeff's um, sessions, that you'd got maybe three different relatively strong-willed navigators who had set the tone for the session. Not they, were set, not they were navigating all the time, but they kind of set this is the intentions of where we're going. And then you end up, you've kind of got three different refactorings going in different directions sure. after yeah. three sessions. And it's like, my God, this is awful. But, but on the other hand, that was also quite a good lesson mm -hmm. about, about that. Um, so the two things that we did take away, we were taken away by the end, but we kind of lost momentum by then, was really small steps, so G pause, many more. Really, really small. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did he, MMM, I can never remember it. So G pause, it's a lousy acronym. Um, so, 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 um, but very many, lots of small steps, um, and a reasonably and a, and a and a consistent intention. Even if you haven't got, if you're not sure, even if you don't know how you're going to get there yet, at least you know the direction you're going in. And then committing, making sure everything's working well. Yeah. And finishing and finishing the refactorings, not stopping, you know. And that was the problem because we started one and then at the end, the beginning of the next week, it was like, oh, what were we doing? I can't remember. Yeah. You know, yeah, and uh, that makes yeah. sense. And, and yeah. yeah, that's totally valid. Um, yeah. So uh, maybe we should jump to the remote sure. working piece. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. something that you experienced both there and mm -hmm. in, um, uh, in the workplace. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about that. Oh, I mean, I'm a big fan of remote working um, for multiple reasons. Part, for personal reasons, I don't have to travel as much because I spent a long time spending three or four nights a week living in a hotel room or an apartment on site because I was consulting with the, with the organization. So, so working from home, working remotely is a lot better. Um, and it's got... A huge number of advice. So I think um, Martin Fowler said, even before, long time before anything else, that you've got this trade-off between you may not be as effective remote working, um, but you've got this massive pool of people you can access that you can't access if you are coming to an office. So you've, you've, got, you've extended that talent pool enormously. And there's a company now called Remote setting up in Europe, which will actually let you hire somebody as a permanent employee in another country and they'll do all the, they'll do all the legal and financial stuff for you. So you've got this enormous talent pool. So that's really valuable. Um, and I was talking to a guy, Steve Walton, who's a testing guy I know, and he was saying, actually, it's easy to manage because if you manage by outcomes, which you should, because we're agile, outcomes are really easy to manage remotely because you just need the outcome. It doesn't, if, if somebody can give you the outcome in two hours, Great. Now, hopefully they're professional and, and competent and honest enough to say, I did that in two hours. I could probably do more <laughs> you know, rather than just uh, 
kicking back and watching Netflix for the rest of the day. But so you can do that. And it, but on the other hand, you do get this. Um, it's easy to end up in isolated groups, mm -hmm. in isolated individuals. Um, and somebody recently um, was saying that one of the problems with teams all working on their own tasks is that it's like multi-team coordination in miniature. So it's like, you know, we're all, we've all doing that and then we've got to coordinate. And, you know, this is stuff you've talked about before. Um, and that's when ensembling comes in because that coordination is, is, just happens. You know, because well, you don't have to. They don't have to coordinate because you're all working on the same thing or of a small subset of things. So it seriously reduces that coordination overhead. Coupling that with the current good practices, trunk-based development, continuous integration, that sort of thing, you 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 can you can. I feel you can mitigate most of the downsides of remote working. Um, now. It's still nice to see people face to face. So that's still a thing. There's an organization called, um, it's called the Remote Agile Framework, RAF. Um, it's based, it's, it's, it's an Australian bunch who's, who've, who've launched it, but they're really go, they're leaning into remote really hard. And they've got some really interesting takes on this. Um, and I will get you some names. Because <laughs> I can't remember them, um, but the, but the, so I think that the ensembling especially um, mitigates a lot of the issues that people have with remote working. So they they are very strong, and the 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 steps forward in tooling we've done over the last couple of years, especially, has made that even. Um, even more likely to work and there, and uh, so a lot of the problems you had with that was either they were tools that were really hard to set up or they were quite clunky i mean i actually still like mob um git handovers sharing screens serially that we did when we were when we were running remotely though actually we found in our remotes our remote sort of walk-up sessions um that the that actually I had a I had a um, uh, an EC2 instance with a Python IDE running, and that's where we all worked, and we just VNC'd into it. Um, uh, and that's better for walkouts because you don't have that twenty minute. Oh, somebody else has joined, and we've got to set them up on Git and all that, and all that stuff we used to do. Um, on the other hand, for a team, a team in an organisation, I think the Git handover is still a very powerful thing because you've got everything set up yeah just the fact of looking at somebody else using their ide is immense that was just one of the that was one of the sort of light bulb moments with with on jeff's group it's just like oh do you know you could do this keystroke oh no i didn't and it's so good um you know so it's a, all that stuff is really valuable and i think inside an organization where you're probably using the same ide and you've all got access to the repos I think that would, I still think that would be a good, that would still work. Though I can see why people want to, I mean, um, what's the VS Code tool? Um, live share. Live share. I mean, that's, I must admit that is, um, I, I haven't gone back to IntelliJ for a while, but in terms of remote working, live share kicks IntelliJ's <laughs> version at, out of the park frankly i think i think what we're seeing with intelligent and i don't know i i get the impression that they made some architectural decisions a long time ago with intellij mm. and unpacking those to do remote working is proving much harder than they expected mm. whereas in vs code was written inside a browser so um but we'll see but yeah anyway so that, i mean so yeah remote working is i think for coders, if you don't support full remote working, at least to the point where you'll fly somebody in from their address to your 
office for monthly get-togethers or for bi-monthly get-togethers, I think you're going to get you're going to find it hard and hard to hire good people mm. because they're just you're just especially in I mean you're either going to be in London or Silicon Valley where people will go but it's really expensive um, and or you're going to be out in the stick somewhere where it's really hard to get people at all and if you then say but and you've got to come to the office every week it's like yeah well, okay well they they I can be fully remote over there so I'll go over there. Mm. Yeah. I saw it. I saw. I saw a really interesting. There was. Um, I'm quite involved in the Elixir community, mostly as an observer. <laughs> I'd much like reading a lot more coding, but I'm not. Um, and actually, we're doing. Um, there's a guy, um, Brooklyn. I can't remember his surname. He's running an ensemble in Elixir on Saturday evenings. Um, oh. He didn't realise he was. I told him. But this is this is an ensemble Brooklyn. Oh, really? Okay, that's good. Oh, you know, so, um, and and so that's um, and they've actually got um, they accidentally invented some tooling for doing shared remote coding. Um, there's some really interesting tools they've got there. But but in the Elixir community, there was a guy from Nigeria who set up an Elixir um, consultancy. And what was interesting, he was saying that somebody came to him and said, "Would you build something for us?" And they said, "Yes." And and they said, "This is, our, this is how much we charge." He said, "Well, that's really expensive." And so it's not really expensive. He said, "Well, but it is for Africa." Said, but you're not in Africa, <laughs> you, know, you know. So so why should you, you know, why should we charge significantly less than everybody else because we're in Africa? The work's going to be just as good. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's economics, so we'll see. But um. But it's interesting that there's going to be a, I don't know whether there's going to be this leveling down or this leveling up or this mixture. It's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I think, I think uh, for sure the, the demand for developers is mm -hmm. only increasing, even with the increased supply. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, because it's doubling like every four years now, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's and scary. I think it was about four years has. ago. Yeah, somebody said about four years ago, there's about 23 million developers in the world. So there must be nearly 50 million by now. If that's if the math still holds. There's um, more, more than double. I forget the number, but it's yeah. something along the lines of more than double associate mm. level developers to mm. senior level developers every two years. Wow. Um, I think that was the number. I'm not, you know, don't quote me on that. But, uh, it's something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So there's all these people are going to be relearning all the lessons even more frequently than we have done in the we've all relearned the same lessons before so it's nice yeah nice. yeah i had um on the remote work thing i had uh um basically a question for you and i guess i'll, mm. I'll kick it off with uh, a recent experience of mine so uh before the pandemic mm -hmm. always uh in-person work for me um mm -hmm. never did remote work other than like checking emails or doing something really minor for a little bit of time. Mm. Pandemic came, we did, you know, we were doing in-person mobbing before ensembling, and now we went to remote ensembling. And then two weeks ago, uh, we had a visitor in person. Uh, and so I did in-person mobbing for the first time since 2000, uh, 2020. And what was so strange to me was that it was almost seamless, like the difference between remote and in-person ensembling. All right. <laughs> like That's I didn't really notice, like going mm. back and forth between the two. And I, I think it was like several hours into it that I was like, oh, we're doing in-person and I haven't even really noticed, you know? And so it's, um, so for me, uh, in-person and uh, ensembling mm. or in-person work versus uh, remote work, it's, they're almost interchangeable for me. But mm. I know that's just me. And there's been other people who have struggled with it more. And they're like, oh, I really value the face-to-face -face time. Um, I was recently talking with a coworker who he, he, he really enjoys remote ensembling and remote work. Mm. But he was just like, ah, you know, and he just, he was making references to, you know, we'd be in a large meeting and you could see mm. someone, you know, making a joke or making a gesture or something mm. like that. And, and so we ran an experiment using a remote tool called GatherTown. And he said that really helped. Have you ever seen the same sort of thing with teams you work with where 
they they maybe the remote's working, but they miss a piece of in person. And have you have you run any experiments there? Uh, I haven't run any experiments. I have to okay. say, um, okay. but it's, it's but I, I I know that the um, more of more of an observation of what you were saying is that one of the things I found, and I and this has been confirmed by people I've spoken to in a in a totally ad hoc and unscientific survey, um, is that mobbing is not as tiring as meetings on screen remotely. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it doesn't have 100%. I, it doesn't have the same and I think it's because we're kind of focusing on the code. So, you know, the, and oh, the other thing is and I think part of the thing is that developers tend to have a lot of screens and remote working you need a lot of screens. Yes. <laughs> because it's it's the number of people is like Oh, I've got to move back, and you know you can't. It's you. It's really hard to 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 do a ensembling with a with one with one laptop screen. That would be really hard, I think. Um. So, yeah. So I think so. So, so there's that aspect is that it's not as tiring. Um. I think there is there is still an opportunity for tooling. It's hard to have a side conversation online so you can so you know when you're sitting in the you're sitting in the the queue waiting for your in you know the observers and you're waiting for your chance to go become navigation you can kind of have a you know all those little conversations that it's hard to do that online so but i think as the tools evolve that might so there's quite a cool um meetings tool from uh Netscape, no, yeah, people who build Firefox. That's Netscape, isn't it? Anyway, um, and that when you walk around with your little avatar inside a room, but as you get near a group of people, the noise gets louder. So the 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 the, the conversation is spatially correct. Yes. So you can walk through the room and you can hear conversations and decide which one to gravitate to. So something like that might be interesting if you actually had your if you sort of had your ensemble as a actually sitting and sitting, you sort of could look at them. This is where we're sitting in the virtual space. And then the person next to me, I can, I can hear, I can have a conversation with them. That'll be quite quiet compared to everybody else. Mm, yeah. So, so I can see those sorts of tools evolving. Um, well, and, but you know, no, but, but I, uh, you know, I did have the experience of having those side chats and especially in the navigate the navigator role. Mm. Um, uh, you know, lately I've been finding myself a lot just sending direct chats to the person mm. that it's navigating even. Um, and especially if they're stuck, just saying, you know, what would you do to yeah. get the driver to do this? And, and so mm -hmm. I'll do, um, I'll do Socratic questioning over chat message for that's... the person in the navigation role. Um, yeah. and that's been surprisingly effective, I think, in, in the few times that I've done it. Yeah, that's a. I just say interesting. The the gig I'm currently on, they would they they've started that because they've turned off chat in Zoom for security reasons. So um, yeah, so it's just like oh, you, have, you, you, you know, with chat, you're totally capable of doing those side conversations, and yeah, um, I think it's immensely valuable. Yeah, uh, you know, especially in the sense of uh, you know giving hints or um, even mm. sending reference architectures. So yeah. Before, when I would be in person, I would lean over and say, you know, do this and this and this. And I'm kind of whispering off to the side mm. and it's kind of in the way. Um, but, you know, you can send an architectural diagram over chat and say, you know, what's the next thing you'd navigate if you wanted to change the way these things connect? Mm. Um, and I, so I've had a couple of experiences like yeah. that. I think that chat is, you know, it's quiet. So it's easily accessible, you know, th those sorts of things, but it is also distracting. So receiving a chat while you're navigating is a little bit mm. painful. So I find it really useful to say, you know, Hey, I'm going to be navigating the navigator over chat. And so mm. if you're, if you want help with the direction you're going, take a look at your chat and yeah. if not, you can just ignore me. And, and that, that's been really helpful. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that would that would be, and uh, and the other thing is the is the is the is having your third screen ideally with with an architecture diagram on it or some kind of drawing tool on it. I mean, I've, one of the things actually 
I haven't got it set up at the moment, but is actually having a drawing tablet. It's a yeah. really valuable tool for remote working. Yeah. Where you can actually you because drawing with a mouse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, so yeah. So again, it's one of these things. Oh, didn't really realize that's an important tool. But actually, just got a, one of my bugbears for remote working. So Mural and Miro, yeah, wonderful as they are, are one of the great benefits of having a whiteboard in an office is if you leave the output of your discussion on the whiteboard, everybody can see it. Mm-hmm. With Miro and Mural, if you leave the output from your discussion on your canvas, it's just, it's gone. It's just, <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, and you can't search them and you can't search them across the organization. So it's even worse than confluence for losing information. Mm-hmm. You know, at least in theory, you might be able to find, the problem with confluence is you find the 17 versions of the thing because everybody's had an idea <laughs> over the last five years. Um, but, but it is a really, I, I personally feel it's a massive issue is that Mural and Maro lose it. it actually, it's like with the, I think there's going to be roles turning up for remote working that aren't there at the moment. So the, the organizational librarian or, or, the, the, or the extended archivist role, mm. um, not, not, to, not because you've got to write documents, but because you've got to, curate them and put them on display so people can see them hmm. um to avoid silos yeah so I think that's information be... radiators are extremely yeah. important because um, they're, they're they're hard remote yeah. because you've got to go i mean i think information I, I should do this sometime but i think screen savers which are automatically take you to your teams um, <laughs> as your retrospectives your on them. <laughs> yeah or, or just your just your burnt or whatever your charts yeah. you're using or just to have those on your screens just so you can see what's going on you know, uh, we use Microsoft Teams to coordinate all of our work. Mm-hmm. And um, what's nice about the Office 365 subscription is that uh, you get things like Microsoft Planner included in that. And so you can have Kanban boards, retrospectives, mm-hmm. all embedded in the different meeting areas. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and then you can see the ensembles by the little camera icon and the and the people that mm-hmm. are in that ensemble. So, um, we have a lot of information radiators around, uh, as well as even video from our internal stream service. And so as you click on tabs and as you click through all of the different chat channels that also host the ensembles, you have uh, at the top options to, to view like an architectural review video and, uh, and a, my, a Microsoft planner board that has all of the different Kanban uh, material on it. Um, and it's all integrated together. So, so that's been pretty good for that. I do understand the, the pain point though, of, um, walking by something and having a memory triggered by it in the office just doesn't really happen anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, I think one thing that has helped a lot with that is when we've done, uh, cross team lean coffees, this idea that you get people from different teams all into Mm. a lean coffee together and just talk about things, um. So those have been helpful too. Yeah, lean coffee is, a, I mean, yeah, it's a great remote working yeah. support. Yeah, um, enabler. I think is fun, and 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 we push that a lot. I mean, so at my the that the gig I'm currently on, um, we they were they were running up to a big thing, and we basically said, look, I will do and ask me anything twice a day. Mm. So it's just because because it was because they were they were they were classic remote working enterprise. Everybody was thoroughly, completely back to back meetings, two meetings in every slot. I have to do this a lot now. I have to do meet. I have to do calendar management sessions with my people, saying you know we just go through. So let just hi you know we're doing a one one to one. Let's have a, let's have a look at your calendar. <laughs> right, you've got three meetings in every time slot. And you haven't replied whether you're going to any of them. What is with that? You know, <laughs> and and um, and we just go through. It's like, um, have you ever done that with a backlog when you've just gone through with a bug backlog and said that's too old? I've just deleted bugs. Yeah. No, no, that's gone. That's gone. You got my heuristic. It's more than three months old. It's gone. It's all gone. And then they get these like we had three thousand things in the backlog, and now we've got thirty. You're a hero. We love you. Um, yeah, I just because 
I'm not here. I'm just not scared. Um, because yeah. <laughs> it's not my problem. Delete but, them all. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. You know. Um, but similarly, with it's just, are you going to go to that meeting? Probably not. We'll delete it. Tell have tell them you're not going. Yeah. You know, all that's anyway, sorry, that's completely off the point. But it's one of these remote working things where because people put loads of meetings in the diary. Anyway, because their dial is really full. So we did an ask me anything, which is like, you don't have to come, it's in your diary, drop in. And we got this little community. It was like a lean coffee, effectively. Except we yeah. didn't run it, we even ran it like a lean coffee sometimes. Um, but those things are really vital for remote working. Those unscripted people can say, we don't want to meet where we just talk. So why not? That's what you do with the, that's what you do with a water cooler yeah you know so it's not it's not it's like but but they we won't be working well you don't work when you make your coffee or go to the canteen or you know we need those and actually you can do those online it turns out um yeah. uh and there's a load of really clever people who've done lots of work with this and i was going to name their names and i've forgotten them um but, <laughs> but yeah there's a lot of good stuff you can do with that so i think i think Remote working is really valuable. I think it's here to stay. Simon Wardley made a good point. Um, he said it takes a, people don't like change. It takes a big, I can't, I'm summarizing. Um, it takes a, if you have a big event, people will rise to the occasion. And that's what we did when COVID started. We all, oh my God, we're gonna have to work remote, remotely. Let's work remotely, fine, boom. All of those, well, we can't do it for this, we can't do it for that. Well, we have to do it, so let's do it. And now it's like, and now we're all going to go back to the office. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've been working like this for two years. I quite like it. you know. Or, or not even I like it, I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's with us to stay. And I think we are finding better ways to work. Yeah. And we're developing the tools. And in terms of developers, I think ensembling either as a full-time way of working or at least a regular pattern to align your team is going to become a go-to tool in most teams toolbox yeah yeah and 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 what i love is that it's a world of a lot of experimentation and um Mm. in our internal open spaces we've been doing a lot of that um Mm. for remote work and uh, I'm not selling this tool, so uh, you know I don't. I'm not, I don't have any get any proceeds from it. But we've been experimenting a lot with uh, Gather Town, and I know I've heard of others we've had on the show before as well. And what's quite incredible about it is a lot of those in-person things uh, mm-hmm. you recreate because uh, what someone did is took the map of the building we used to be in and made mm-hmm. it in Gather Town, and you could walk around to the different uh ensembles going on and you would run into the people in the hallway you know you would accidentally stumble in a room and overhear a conversation and then say something we actually gave people the ability to build so they could start building and making their own spaces and stuff and um you could have a side conversation where you walk out of like the vicinity and then you can have a side right. conversation and walk back in and uh yeah and so i think uh there and that's probably just the tip of the iceberg of things yeah. that will keep coming but so that some wasn't people really so, like it and some people it's it's maybe too much like in person and they like you know be just being in a small zoom room where with the three people they want to be in with but uh yeah it's it's a fun world i i think there was a tool that came out at the beginning of lockdown i saw which was a, which was like that but it was really expensive it was really expensive so um that's going to be interesting i mean yeah i'm gonna have a look at that that sounds cool yeah, it's free for like less than 100 people in there at once or something like that. So, yeah. How do they make money? <laughs> I, Good question. I, I, I honestly don't, I, I, I don't understand how some of these, you know, maybe, yeah. Cool. Anyway, well, good for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think that it's, uh, it's all related to this is an emerging thing mm. and there's probably other monetization models to come, but I think they're just trying to figure out the right thing to build. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be good for us to kind of move on to like re- recapturing sure. the agile magic, uh, you know, and so maybe what, what thoughts did you have there? Well, so I've been involved in a lot of um, agile transformations for my sins um, and, and the magic's gone. You know, you look at it and I, 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 was, I, was, I was on C2 in the late 90s, watching Ron and Kent and Alistair and all of them have their discussions and occasionally posting my own thoughts. And, and then we went off and did 
not exactly agile, but we used a lot of agile techniques and it was awesome. It was like we were, it, it was like having superpowers. And my wife has reminded me several times, says, you were so stressed. You were so stressed all the time. You were, it was, it was, a, and yeah, and, and yeah, that's true. And I remember Ken Schwaber saying a long time ago, Agile doesn't fix any of your problems. It just tells you you've got them much earlier than anything else does, um, which is really valuable. You get that early feedback. You can fix them before you've actually driven off the road. Um, but we were doing amazing things and we were an empowered, self-organizing team, which I ran. Um, but <laughs> but it was, uh, and and then something happened, and it's all about backlogs and refinements and prioritization and velocity and uh, and how do you how's your Jira set up and what's your workflow and what where's the where's your dashboard and how do we feed those metrics up to the senior leadership team and it's like. That's not what it's about. It's it's not about that anymore. And 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 it's and and I'm not sure why. I've got a lot of theories why, but obviously you need to work it out. But but it's like but but it's basically the culture clash between a hierarchical organization. I mean, I don't I have worked in a startup. Um, I've I've helped with some there are some weird startups. There's some startups without any IT people. They, they out, there's startups that outsource all their IT startups that outsource all their IT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you sort of think, okay. Um, and it's and and they and, the, and we go to help them because they're in real trouble. Um, because you can't do that, it turns out, not effectively. Anyway, um, but so I haven't worked in I've never I haven't worked in an, a startup team, so I don't know what the culture's like there. But certainly in the enterprises that they ask us, we'd like to have an agile transformation, please, so we can go lots, so we can go faster. It's like okay, that's a bad start, but you know, okay. Um, but the and then and they're not interested in the magic mm-hmm. that happens, and the team members don't get to experience it mm. and agile without the magic is just like micromanagement <laughs> you know and um and it's and I, so i was heartbroken a couple of years ago i went to the first remote devops enterprise summit and cat Svetl was talking and we we're talking about what whether devops was a reaction to agile or a, a extension of agile and she said it was a reaction against Agile, or she had a theory. And somebody in the audience shouted out, oh, well, in Twitter. I remember them shouting out, but it must have just been in the Slack channel, actually. <laughs> um, but what they said was, Agile is the evil empire. Um, and, and I thought, when did that happen? Mm, That's just so sad. But then I go into all these organizations, which, and they, you know, they've, they've got safe and they've got, big Kanbans and they've got things coming down and they're just crushing the life out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can absolutely see it is the evil empire. The ad, you know, and I know we talk about dark agile and the agile industrial complex and all of the sort of the, the nastiness and that sort of thing, but, but there is something. So um, Mike Burrows, who's, have you heard of a gender shift? Well, you should okay. Should look up a gender shift. It's really cool. But what he talks about is outcomes over solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, so work out what your outcomes are. What outcomes do you want as an organisation? And actually, one of the key things I've seen with a lot of these organisations is that they, from a very high level in the organisation, they don't have a good grasp of their strategic vision. They don't have that intent mm-hmm. that you can then cascade down the organisation. So OKRs when they're working properly are not here's the work you have to do. It's like, this is, the, this is our need we have of your area. Work out how you're going to do it. Don't, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but this is the outcome I need from you. Um, that doesn't happen. And if that doesn't happen, if you don't think about the outcomes first, Mike calls it um, right to left, it, it all becomes about where's your backlog? How many items are in it? How fast are you processing them? You know, and, and that's, 
and that's where the, that's when it goes. And I think the the fix for that is this thing that Mike talks about: this outcomes over outcomes before solutions. Mm -hmm. um, what outcomes do we want before which? So um, Chris Bramley, who's a coach I've worked with a couple of times, he talks about Jeopardy Consulting. Has that is that his thing, or is that just have you heard that phrase? Mm. Ah. So Jeopardy Consulting is here's the answer. What's the problem? <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice. And, like and that's and that's exactly what Safe and the big consultants are doing. It's like yeah. we've got a, we've got our framework. This is the solution you need. How now? How do we hammer it into your organisation so it fits? Yeah. Not what is the outcome your organisation is trying to achieve. I, you know, also, yeah. you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the Pygmalion effect, right? So like mm. you, your boss tells you like, hey, I need you to, um, you know, you're in charge of leading our agile transformation, right? And then you have to, you know, as somebody that is reporting, you know, maybe a, a middle level leader in an organization, you're you're responsible for finding something that upper management will agree with and then and then uh and then the people kind of doing the work don't necessarily have a choice it just has to sell well right yeah and so um and and so you know pygmalion in fact maybe is like re reinforcing positive things mm -hmm. used in like a positive reinforcement mm -hmm. uh, but i think it also can you know it's like i'm trusting you to do this and so now you have this idea that like okay now i'm the one responsible for it and i need mm. something that i can communicate back up to my upper management um that is maybe well known right and mm. and so uh the most well-known frameworks become the most easily sold mm. frameworks yeah. right um and and so this could be yeah this could be disastrous for a team mm. um and you know, I, I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the stuff of like the, the servant leadership type stuff is really good um, and sometimes palatable to organizations, but, uh, but you're right. It's, you know, it, it will be very much the Je Jeopardy consulting, especially if somebody has been set up in such a way where now it's their responsibility to solve the problem that even their management may think they have. Maybe they don't even have that problem. And now they're fitting it into a framework in order to, to do that, right? It, it's a lot of this like problems that come straight out of the command and control style yeah. work and um, for sure, yeah, a, a mm. lot of that cascades. Yeah, and I think the, uh, what's interesting, and I've tried this very, I have to be a bit careful about this because your clients don't like you doing it. So why, you, why do you want to do an agile transformation? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we want to go faster with better quality. So what, what but what are you going to do with it? We're going to go faster, better quality. Yeah, but but what does your organization do with it? <laughs> when you're going faster with better quality, then what happens? It's like, because it's like, and then you go to their mission statements. Is what's your, your core, corporate strategy? We're going to be the biggest in this sector. And we're going to be, that's not a strategy. That's an aspiration. What are you going to do with this stuff? And, and then you discover there's this massive void about what are the outcomes we want for our organization? and and nobody's filling him and i think yeah. that then means that you can't empower your teams to do things because you don't know what you want them to do i mean this is yeah. where i think amazon did do a great job is mm. that while they were going off in all directions but at least they had this idea of what they were trying to that, that they could act on their own and deliver something um yeah but anyway so that's 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 why i so um the leadership is language leadership is language the new one by um that's just such a uh, he, a he's a great he reads it so i listen to it on audible but he's, yeah. it's that's such an inspiring book his stuff is all great um but there's another one called the art of action which is about strategic thinking and and that's they've, they've they work very well together but that this idea that the organization needs to adapt to use its agility effectively is something organizations don't most senior leadership teams that i've met don't really want to change you go and say we'd like you to change our organization please and so well how are you going to change no no change the organization please 
<laughs> so, um, and and then and that's and everybody recognizes that's a problem, but people still do it. Yeah. yeah. And so the for me, what's interesting is when I first became, I think it especially hit me big when I first became aware of the agile technical practices. Mm. I with them. And then the magic you were talking about, like yeah. I literally was like dumbfounded, like, oh my yeah. gosh, this is incredible. Like that, the, you know, maybe that experience you were first talking about and yeah. when you first experienced it. And mm. uh, we are getting close to time, but maybe one Sorry. more before we close, one more question before we close is mm. if, if, you know, is there an experiment you would suggest or an action someone to take to they find themselves in the evil empire or whatever to recapture that agile magic. Uh, do you have any, uh, uh, action, it's really action? hard. It's really hard because you're quite often heavily locked in to what you can achieve. <laughs> so, so yeah. the thing that really unlocks it is. So I call, I sort of often refer to as delivery as a risk management technique mm. by delivering stuff. You manage the risk because it's delivered it's in production it's deployed you know and 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 the small batches and then if you can deploy frequently and get that feedback people start trusting you mm -hmm. and then the conversation about oh you can't have this as quickly as you wanted it becomes a lot easier because it's like there's a so that trust build-up happens and that goes back to the safe the safe spaces and the, and the you know psychological safety so i think it's hard to suggest an experiment because i don't know the context but if you can get to a point where you can deliver faster to even if you're not delivering very much if you can just deploy you've got to reduce the transaction cost of deploying mm. that's what you've got to do so so i think if i was going to suggest an experiment i think i would ask the change approval board how many how many um i would ask them to refine their approach so that they can let more things through mm. rather than have a blanket no become yeah. an enabling bureaucracy rather than a constraining bureaucracy um and at an organization level that's what i say and i think at the the team level it's really hard because it depends on your context sometimes you just can't deliver stuff because it takes four months to get everything, all the, everything lined up, ready to go. But, but, um, and I think the, uh, I had a thought, but it's gone. I think the other thing is I would talk about, and this is something we, I, I put on the list is, is that is work out how your people work. Work. So, I have to, so I went to a talk and it was like, it was Esther Darby and Joanna Rothman and Joanna Rothman was saying, um, they're talking about how you think. And Esther Darby said, I have to think before I speak. And Joanna Rothman says, I have to speak in order to think. <laughs> you know, and, and actually that is true. I have to speak in order to think. I, some of the things I've been saying, they're probably in my mind somewhere, but I haven't crystallized them out of thought until I was actually saying them to you. Mm -hmm. um so i work really badly i'm not a good developer when i'm working on my own <laughs> you know i know seriously i'm not I, I i i get tied up in knots and i can't work things out and i get i get really tense and i'm not and i'm frightened of experimenting i'm a great developer in a group mm. on the other hand there are developers who are really good developers on their own and hate being in a group mm. so so this is the this is the working out your how you like to work in a team and how the team likes to work with you mm -hmm. is really important because if you're if because i don't want to exclude so my it's not a fear because it's never going to happen my fear is that we're all going to go to ensembling and there's a bunch of people who really really work best on their own <laughs> they're going to become so at the moment we've got an environment where the people who work best on their own are in charge because they just produce loads of stuff and they're usually very clever. Um, and the people who like working in groups are not allowed to work in groups. You're not allowed to share, you know, there's organizations where you're not allowed to pair. Yeah. Um, but so, and, and, and similarly, there's, there's organizations. So um, 
base camp, I remember saying they like they they try and do as much asynchronous work as they possibly can. It's all done by emails and documents and 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 they have this have synchronous meetings very occasionally when they actually have to. On the other hand, you've got places that are just full-time ensemble, remote ensembling. Um, and I don't know whether there'll be a shakeout. People will move to the organization that works the way that works best for them, or we're going to work out a way to make it work. Um, and I don't know how certain types of neurodiversity play with certain ways of working. But I think that's yeah. something we've really got to start working on because it's, yeah. it's critical to make sure we don't leave people behind yeah. when we do this stuff. Yeah, yeah. We've got a history. We've got a history of leaving people behind in this organ in this business. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I love about invitation. Like, hey, I, I want to go ensemble. If you don't want to go, that's great. Do yeah. your thing, and uh, we'll sync up. You know, in a couple hours or whatever. You know, and I think mm. I, I love that making it work for everybody is a great, a great phrase. Mm. And uh, mm. but we are coming up on time, so thanks for sharing your thoughts. It's been a lot of fun, Tom. This has really been a great conversation. Uh, so, but before we close, is there any uh, one last thing you'd like to to, to share with our audience? Um, no, <laughs> um, if you, if you, if you're into coding and you want to have a look at some really cool technology, go and have a look at what they're doing in the Elixir community. It's a really friendly community and they are Brooklyn Myers. Um, he's just the Elixir newbie and he's doing a, uh, he does a regular ensemble type event on Saturdays. Um, I'm not sure what time it is. Saturday evenings for me. Um, so that's really exciting. And um, yeah, I think I'll just leave it there. Going up because in terms of remote working and in terms of there's some interesting stuff going on there. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay. And uh, okay. maybe we'll get a link to that in the show notes. And uh, to our audience, thanks for watching, listening. Uh, uh, please like and subscribe. Give us feedback, YouTube, Twitter, and more. And uh, um, yeah, really looking forward to continuing the conversation. And uh, until next time, have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks, it's been a blast. Bye.